We've all been raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars. But we won't. We're slowly learning that fact. And we're very, very pissed off. Maybe I just returned after having a really, really great time at Max FunCon 2015. Um, yeah, it was a real humdinger of a time. Uh, it, it's uh, basically two days of just nerding out over podcasting. So it uh, goes, uh, it starts. Uh, so for just, I'm sorry, backing up. For those people who don't know what it is, uh, Max FunCon. Well, I, I, I mentioned it in the last episode. It's, it is the, uh, uh, it's, it's a, it's a podcasting convention, but that's not really what it is. It's, it's classes and comedy shows and and all sorts of things all put on by Jesse Thorne and his group over at MaximumFun.org, and it is a ton of fun. Um, and you know, it's fun meeting new people. It's fun meeting the, the podcast celebrities that, you know, are in your ears, uh, so many days of the week. Uh, and then it's, uh, fun, uh, to meet, uh, the comedians that are doing the, the show. So, uh, as, as, uh, for those of you who know me, I am a world-class star fucker. Uh, so, you know, part of it that, I mean, look, that's what I love. I love just getting in celebrities' faces. I rehearse questions, uh, sometimes years in advance. And, uh, so I am armed and ready, uh, when I see them in the wild, perhaps, but obviously, uh, you know, coming, knowing who's going to be there, I can practice. Of course, this year it was a, a little crazy because, um, uh, they did not tell us who was going to be there. So when we got there, it was a little bit like, oh, this, oh, this, oh, all right, okay. So uh, let's start at the beginning of what it was all like. So first of all, uh, for those of you who have seen the uh, UGTV.org pilot and uh, maybe uh, even in the best of uh, uh, good old Alexis Perplexus, uh, was uh, in uh, uh, as a part of our uh, traveling team, our duo uh, of uh, podcasting adventurism. Uh, he was there with me, uh, and we we uh, we traveled the the very slow, painful, mean streets of Los Angeles to get up to Lake Arrowhead, California, and uh, it's it uh, should be uh, an easy trip, uh, but of course the traffic in Los Angeles is quite awful. Uh, so it became a bit of a, a chore. But, you know, the interesting thing about driving in Los Angeles is people always say, oh, it's a, a tra worst traffic ever. It's always terrible. It doesn't matter what time of day. Sort of. Um, certainly when where we were, it was terrible any time of day. Like we drove home on a Sunday. It was terrible. It didn't matter. But there are parts of Los Angeles that are perfectly lovely every time of day. So why? So Adam Carolla screams about this all the time. Why isn't anybody trying to figure out like why? Because in Los Angeles, you'll be on the freeway and it will stop with no warning. And it is honestly like, okay, I'm a bit of a puss when it comes to driving. Um, 
I, it makes me nervous. I don't enjoy it. Let's just, uh, I'm kicking off my slipper so you can hear that. There it is. Um, I kicked him off right into the microphone. Uh, but so, so driving scares me already. But then LA traffic is particularly terrifying because if you take your eyes off the road, even for a second, like the perfectly reasonable traffic that you were in will stop with no notice, no, and, and it doesn't, and it's never anything. It's never an accident. It's never anything. It's just stop. And so unless you are paying attention, and it does it a lot, so it's not like a rarity. I mean, it happens all the time. And in fact, I, you know, I had that option of putting the MP3 player in the car, you know, listening to podcasts as I drive in this traffic. And I just said, no, I got to pay attention. And I, you know, and I knew either, either way it was going to be a disaster, right? Like either I'm paying attention to the traffic and I'm not listening to my podcasts and it's just noise uh, around me and I'm, and, and I'm not listening to it or I'm listening to the podcasts and then I ignore the fact that the traffic has stopped quite suddenly. Oh, quite suddenly. Oh, dear boy. It appears the traffic has stopped quite suddenly. All right. Drink break. So I am uh, drinking tea. It is the uh, afternoon after Max Fun Con. Uh, I took the day off because um, it's, uh, you know, I got in late and, and it just seems a bit um, of a culture shock to be like, hey, you've had this amazing weekend. Now go back to work. So uh, so let's get into Max Fun Con. Enough of L.A. traffic talk. You're not here to hear about traffic. There's too many traffic podcasts already. I don't know who this character is. She, she feels like a 1930s actress. Listen to me, darling. There's already too many traffic podcasts already. So, um, let's not bury the lead either. Um, the most exciting thing that happened to me, as you know, I am a star fucker. And not only am I a star fucker, I'm a, a comedy uh, comedian star fucker. Is also a it's like a it's like one of those weird um, sex fetishes thing. Like you know everybody can see Tom Cruise and be like, I want to talk to him. I want to I want to be in his aura. Oh, I gotta get me some of that mojo. But for me, like I'm such a huge fan of comedy. Like it doesn't matter how obscure of a comedian you are. If I've seen you, if I think you're funny, it's like I gotta talk to you. So. Um, uh, we we do uh, so we get into town. Uh, we immediately uh, Hodgman uh, Judge John Hodgman does his convocation, welcomes everybody there. We drink Malort. Oh my God, this is unbearable. <laughs> I mean, it's so bad. Um, it's a weird. I'm not really sure the country of origin where Malort comes from but it's an alcohol and what's really great is uh hodgman he's got a box that just it looks like it's been flown in from you know parts unknown and he just rips it open pulls out a bottle of malort opens it up throws the cap into the audience as if to say no one leaves here until the bottle is done and uh and then proceeds to just pass out malort uh, into the crowd so everybody can take a swig. And then, of course, what we realize is he has three bottles of Malort. So here's why Malort is so terrible. Um, you know, most alcohols, when you drink it, it's like it's like a 
instant fiery punch to the tongue. Uh, and then it sort of mellows out. And obviously the, the more expensive uh, liquors are a little bit mellower going down, but not this. Uh, and Malort, I don't know if there is a mellower version. But Malort is interesting because it seems that the, the awful tongue punch increases over time and the taste changes and it gets bitterer and sour and more chemically and just it's it's just it's like it never stops and of course you know we're in there i didn't bring a water bottle or anything i can't chase this away drink break so so we do that, and uh, now it's off to eat dinner. Don't worry, I am not going to be uh, detailing every single food choice that there is. There is a reason why I am announcing we're going to dinner. There's a very real reason. So uh, food is all buffet style. I'm standing in line, and who comes up behind me but one of the uh, the performers that are, is doing the big Saturday night showcase, uh, good old uh, everybody's favorite angry comedian, the star of the uh, documentary, The Bitter Buddha. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together, standing right behind me with an empty plate in his hand. Give it up for Eddie Pepitone. And, uh, yeah, Eddie Pepitone's standing behind me, and he just looks at me and goes, Hey, how's it going? Ah, so what, uh, what are we doing here? What, what's, uh, what, how do we do this? And I said, oh, okay, great. And, uh, and I start, you know, going through, and I tell him, and, I, well, first of all, I say, like, oh, hey, you know, you, it's great, you know, my, my wife and I saw you and did this, and, you know, you did the Benson interruption, and it was really funny, and blah, blah, blah. And, oh, thanks, yeah, that's great. And so I just take him through, you know, the whole thing. And last year, um, when, you know, I met uh, Dave and Graham from Stop Podcasting Yourself in the Food Line, and as soon as we were through the Food Line, they were like, okay, you're weird, we're going. And they went off to some other table. Not Eddie. Eddie's like, so where are you going to sit? I'm like, um, I don't know, over there. And he's like, you know, I point to an empty table and he's like, okay. And he follows me over and we sit down. So then it's me, uh, Alexis Perplexis, Eddie Pepitone, and this guy, Ian. And it's really strange. Like nobody else comes and sit with us. Uh, there's There were two other seats at the table. Like it was just us. And we just talk the whole time while we're eating. We talk about just everything. And, and then Eddie's like, I got to get more food. I'll be right back. And we're like, Okay, and so at this point, again, I just assumed, well, he's just sick of me. So, see you later, Eddie. So, of course, Alexis looks at me and he says, oh, he's not coming back. And I go, yeah, I know. And he's like, no, 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 I'm kidding. He's probably going to come back. I'm like, no, he's not. And we, just before we could make a bet on whether or not Eddie Pepitone was coming back, he comes back. So he sits down, and then... Um, he says, uh, I think he says something like, what time are they serving breakfast tomorrow? And I said, well, it goes from eight to nine. Ah, nine o'clock, huh? I don't, I don't know if I can make it that. I mean, you know, I'm trying to relax. You know, I've been on the road so much. Uh, you know, I, I could get up at eight. I could get up at noon. I don't know what's, what's happening. I don't know what's going on. So I said, don't worry about it. 
I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure you get some breakfast. He goes, really? Goes, yeah. You can do that? I said, I don't know, maybe, but this is my job. This is what I do is I, I just assume a thing can be done. And then if you just talk to enough people, you'll figure it out. It'll, it'll work. So I immediately, go, I just say, all right, hang on. I'll be right back. So I get up, I go to Jesse Thorne, who I find him. And of course he's the organizer. I assume he knows everything. I'm like, and, and if anybody has any juice and mojo in this organization, it's him. So I go to him and I'm like, hey, uh, you think we could, uh, you know, get some food for Eddie a little past nine o'clock, maybe noon, <laughs> maybe 11. And he's like, uh, they're pretty strict about that thing. So no. And I'm like, all right. So, uh, and then I go to the front desk and I'm like, Hey, what can we do? And then they and they say, well, here's what you can do. You can ask for a to-go box, which seems weird. Cause it's a buffet. It's like, what's stopping me from just like getting, you know, five to-go boxes and just loading up food and just being like, yeah, I'm going to take this on the road. Uh, but I think they don't give a shit because, you know, it's not like a per person sort of thing. They're just like, yeah, whatever. We'll just charge the business that you work with more. Anyway, so so uh, they say, well, look, here's what you can do. You get a to-go box, you get a to-go coffee mug, you'll be fine. I'm like, great. So then, um, so then I, I, I do that, you know, next, next morning, I do all that, I get it to Eddie. Basically then, Flash forward to the rest of the weekend, it's basically us having almost every meal with Eddie Pepitone. It was the greatest thing ever. It was just like, you know, I, I got him his food. He was thrilled. Um, uh, he oh, he gave me his phone number for some crazy reason. And he's like, oh, here's my number. And then I'm like, okay, great. And then um, like lunchtime came around and he's like, he texts me and he's like, hey, you going to lunch? And I'm like, yeah. And so I get my lunch and I find him and I go and sit down with him. And then we had this great conversation about lunch. One of the other comedians was there as well. And we're talking and it was great. It was the strangest, like, I mean, it was awesome, but totally unexpected. And this is, this is one of the things that, that life is. Right? Like, it's so hard to just generalize about it and say, like, well, I had this one experience last year, and it was a thing. And um, so that's the way the thing is, right? Because it was that way last year, so that's just it. And the same thing with the L.A. traffic, right? Like, I had heard from everybody that it's all terrible all the time. The last time we were in Los Angeles, it was great. Uh, this time it was terrible. Um, it was, you know, very, very situational. And that was really the interesting thing about Max von Kahn in on the whole. Um, last year it was really, really, it was my first one, and it was really, really hard to penetrate those clicks because a lot of people knew each other, and they were, you know, they all sat together, and, like, trying to get people to sit with us was like, well, I could sit with the unknowns, or I could sit with those people that I really like. And even when I did penetrate those clicks, I did feel like, I don't know, like even though we all like podcasts and podcasting and stuff like that, I just felt like, I don't know, they're just, they're not, it's not clicking. Whereas this year, it clicked 
wonderfully. I, I met so many more people that I like. I have, you know, I had things in common with and were easy to talk to and were just nice and a lot of fun, loved to laugh. Um, it was great. And this is what Alex Trebek was talking about when he was on the Howard Stern show recently. He was like, you know, uh, they, they, Howard Stern asked him, he said, it, would you be good at Jeopardy if you were a contestant? And he said, maybe, you know, he's like, look, I, I know things, but if the topics on the board aren't part of my wheelhouse, I'm screwed. So, um, yeah, so he said, basically, it depends on the day. It depends what's up there. And, and I think um, I think that's sort of, you know, that goes back to that story uh, of me falling asleep on the plane and then waking up and then throwing up all over myself because I tried to recreate a moment. Th there are just so many factors that go into a thing that that, you know, obviously it's not math, right? It's not math. You can't say like, well, if you just, you know, feed it this equation, you should get this answer. Uh, and I think, you know, with this, with this time, it was really obvious. It was the people. It was Eddie Pepitone is a social guy. He liked me and I liked him. So um, he was willing to hang out with me. And he didn't, I don't think he really knew any of the other performers. Um, he had, you know, later on, he'll he'll meet, in, in the weekend, I mean, he'll meet Judge John Hodgman, and he, that was the first time meeting him. Whereas, you know, Paul F. Tompkins, he was there too. Uh, I got to meet him. I got to ask, talk to him about the, you know, is the thrilling adventure hour coming back? The answer is still, nobody knows. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, I, I, uh, anyway, so I'm, uh, I'm, I'm obviously I'm hopeful it will. One of the things about, I can't remember if I, I mentioned this before, but one of my favorite podcasts of all time is the Thrilling Adventure Hour. And, uh, it's written by Ben Acker and Ben Blacker, who are guys who do a lot of things. I think that, I know they write comic books, uh, and I know they do a podcast on writing. Uh, I don't, I'm not hundred percent sure of what they else do, but the problem is, of course, is that even doing a podcast once a month that is scripted, hell man, I just talk off the top of my head and I can barely get this shit out once a month, right? Uh, these guys have regular jobs for writing and then the Thrilling Adventure Hour is so well scripted that, you know, it takes time to do and it's, it's hard to do it at the level that they're doing it. They could pound out some shit, I'm sure, but it, they, they obviously want it to be as good as it can be, and they don't want to do it if it's not going to be good. Uh, but it it's hard for me to relate, you know, because I am so not in that position, especially because, you know, they are in the position of having a podcast that is beloved, right? Like, this pod, their podcast is so beloved, they went on tour to Australia to do it. You know, like one of the most expensive places to go. And they packed up, I think it was like six or eight of the performers and did the show in the road uh, in Australia. And uh, to to have a podcast and a thing, anything, it doesn't have to be a podcast, it can be anything that is that beloved and that popular and that, uh, that, just well received and and 
I mean, it's got to be profitable, right? I mean, uh, there's just no way it's not profitable, especially when you're going on a tour. I mean, there's no way you're going to Australia to lose money. And then to turn around and then just one day say to everybody, nope, we're done. That was funny. That was one of the other funny things about, um, I, I said to Paul, uh, as we were lounging by the pool, uh, I, I said to Paul F. Tompkins, who wore like uh, long sleeve shirts and white pants the entire time. And I'm just sort of like, dude, it's like 80 degrees out here. Don't you anything? Um, and I said, don't you have any, any other clothes? And he goes, um, no, no, these are all the clothes I own. Just this, these, this pair of white pants and this shirt. That's it. And I said, well, you're doing a, a wonderful job of keeping those pants white. Certainly a better job than I could. So I said to Paul, uh, you know, the only way I even found out that they were not going to do the Thrilling Adventure Hour anymore was based on a tweet that you did saying like, hey, you know, this is the mug I always drink out of right before I go on the air uh, with the Thrilling Adventure Hour, and I'm not going to be doing that for a while. And I'm just like, what? Wait, who? What? You quitting? They're quitting? Who's quitting? What? And then, of course, you know, a couple of Google searches later, I find it out. And he just looks at me and he goes, huh, I thought they were pretty clear about, um, you know, ending that. But... And I was like, yeah, maybe they were. And I just wasn't following the right people at the right time and just missed some tweets or some Facebook posts or whatever. So anyway, um, but no, wait a minute. I, I get Thrilling Adventure Hour Facebook posts. I don't think they did such a good job. I think, I think they told the performers and I don't, I don't know. Drink break. I don't know how people on the radio do this because they seem to never drink water at any time and yet I seem to require it constantly so um uh so of course uh I I uh star fucked around uh, I got pictures with all of my favorite uh people uh the, the super ego podcast was there Paul F. Tompkins uh, I got a picture with him um uh Eddie Pepitone of course Oh, and I should mention uh, that uh, one of the classes I took uh, was, uh, so I took two classes. I took a writing class with D.C. Pearson, uh, who D.C. Pearson, uh, for those of you who don't know who he is, uh, he was part of a sketch comedy group called Derek Comedy. Uh, and he was in it with uh, Donald Glover and Dominic something or other, whose name I can't remember. And they would do sketches. And then... Boy, this is, I asked him about this because I just, I, the answer just floored me. The answer might surprise you. Um, hey, I'm going to turn in, I'm going to turn this podcast into an internet clickbait website. Um, so uh, I, I says to, to DC person, I said, how did you fund your movie Mystery Team? which is uh, a fantastic movie. I don't know if it's streaming on Netflix anymore. That's how I originally saw it. But uh, it's, it's, it's the story of 
uh, three guys who, when they were kids, formed a crime-fighting club, and they would solve mysteries like, what you know, who swiped uh, Mr. Johnson's paper from his front porch, you know? Uh, but they then and then flash forward 10 years and they're all grown up now and and leaving and going to college and things like that and donald glover donald glover you might remember as uh the young african-american man from the tv show community who is no longer on that show uh he played troy uh his character refuses to believe that it's all over and uh, he doesn't understand that people are leaving because why would you leave? This is you're going to break up the mystery team. And how are we going to solve any more mysteries? And then the movie moves on and and solves some or they, they get in involved in like a legitimate mystery, like one with some very high stakes. And I think even a couple of dead bodies. So uh, I said to DC, I said, how did you uh, how did you fund this thing? And they said, and he said, well, uh, when we were doing Derek comedy, we would just take anything that we made from Derek comedy and we formed a corporation. Now, these are guys who I don't remember if they were out of college when they were doing this or they were still in college. But that's that's an amazingly smart, uh, not only smart, but it. I mean, if you said to me, like, oh, we're going to form a corporation, I'd be like, yeah, how do you do that? Who do I talk to? I guess we, I don't know, we find a lawyer or something? And what was also interesting is that there were five people involved. So there were three people who were on-screen performers, and then there were two other people. There's a, the, the producer and the director of Mystery Team were also sort of the producer and director of the Derek Comedy Sketches. And uh, they, I, you know, they made money on YouTube. They had merchandising. They had all kinds of merchandising. Was was when he said that, I was like, "Wow, you guys were a much bigger deal." I mean, I didn't say it out loud, but in my head, I'm just like, "Oh my God, you guys are a much bigger deal than I remember." Um, but uh, he said, "Yeah, we just took it all. We put it into, uh, you know, uh, uh, we made a corporation. We just put everything into that." And, and that's also really, really amazing is that five people would be on that same page to be like, no, we're not going to split this up. We're going to we're going to be serious and, and try and advance our careers and eventually make a movie out of this or whatever. But that's an, that's that's an amazingly mature thing to do. And, and not only mature, but just. To have those five people on the same page is pretty amazing. Drink break. Uh, so I didn't ask him what the budget of the movie was, but one of the interesting things um, that he had mentioned in the class was, you know, if you're writing like a, because there was one guy in the, in the writing class who wrote a sketch and I had mentioned to him that um, that that it seemed easy to do and he should probably just try and produce it because you know the only thing about it is it's a guy in a car essentially and why not you know it's it's easy just do it uh, and DC said like yeah you know that's an important consideration is that if you are on a budget don't write you know a big uh, you know, a big, uh, you know, setting, you know, or, or a setting you can't 
do. And in fact, I asked DC about that afterwards, and I said, so in Mystery Team, uh, were there any parts of it that you had to cut because, you know, it was just, you just couldn't afford the location? And he said, well, we didn't actually cut it, but originally it was supposed to, like a big part of the movie was supposed to take place at like a chemical plant or something. And obviously they didn't have uh, access to a chemical plant, but they did have access to um, uh, uh, one of their friend's dad was like a manager or an owner or something of a lumber yard. And so they switched it to a lumber yard. And there you go. Uh, so, you know, it's it goes back to, you know, also the, the Kevin Smith when he talks about making Red State. And, uh, you know, he had written into the script, you know, an, an animal head that, that they were gonna have to fabricate to do a thing. And then the effects guy was like, no, no, that's way beyond your budget. And so Kevin's like, well, all right, maybe we could just take uh, a skull that we find at a store, you know, like some sort of weird antique store or something or buy on eBay or something and we'll just use that and it'll cost way cheaper. And you're like, okay, great, let's go. So, you know, there's always ways around. And it's sort of the thing with getting Eddie his breakfast, right? Like, it's not ideal. It's not the best. Like, obviously, it would be nice if the kitchen just stayed open and you could walk in and pick and choose what you want. But, hey, man, a to-go box full of food is uh, better than nothing. And uh, the food was really good there, too. So, uh, the other thing that I, I learned from... Uh, the the classes I took is uh, Jesse Thorne, master interviewer Jesse Thorne, and I mean that quite sincerely, uh, he taught a class on interviewing, and it was extremely popular. That was another crazy thing, too. Like, when he announced the class, he posted on Facebook, and he was like, is this a thing? Like, is this something? Like, I don't know. And I wrote him back on Facebook, and I was like, Dude, I don't even know what kind of... I mean, like, I it's a thing if you know it's a thing. I don't know... I don't know what you know, which is why I would take the class, but if you don't have enough to tell us, then it's not a thing. Only you can tell me if it's a thing. So, um, based, so the interviewing class was, was a lot of how to get people to tell you something, right? That was a big part of it. And because he had a lot of instances where people uh, would clam up and his advice was you just got to be confident with the silence until they start talking. And obviously this that doesn't work in like a live situation. It works much, much better. And, you know, in something where you can edit down the silences. But uh, yeah, for the most part, he was just like, uh, just just wait, they'll 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 step up. And they'll 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 talk eventually. And he said a lot of times people will not answer a question. So he you just you know you ask the question, and if they don't answer it or they drift off into their talking points, just find a way to ask that question again. Maybe change a couple of words or not. Don't. Who cares? Meh. Uh, and then just ask the question again. And then eventually, if you just keep hammering them on this question, they'll come around or they'll at least come closer than than they were uh, oh one funny mo moment that I had with um, with uh, Julia his producer she was also there 
uh, I asked her, uh, one of the things that Jesse talked about was it really helps if you're doing an interview about something that you care about. It's very hard to get excited about something, but it also, you know, you need to, in order to be a good interviewer, you have to be inherently curious. And so the people who are inherently curious can be excited about um, things that many people are not excited about, right? Like the example he gave was um, thinking about a garbage man and and talking about, um, uh, you know, a garbage man and like, what's his life like? Because he doesn't have an office. Does he, what does he do? Does he bring in pictures of his family and like stick them to the back of the truck or or maybe you know inside the cab you know because there's frequently a, a, you know in 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 places where that's not an automated garbage truck like many of them are now uh, there's frequently a guy who just hangs on the back of the truck like what does he do the, the point of the story is is that Jesse can get interested in lots of things but there's also lots of things he can't get interested in he doesn't care about rock bands uh, he likes hip-hop, so he has tons of rappers on his show, uh, but recently posted on Facebook that he was annoyed because rappers are pretty flaky. And as a man who used to run a essentially rap recording studio, I can concur, they are essentially flaky. Are they flakier than other types of musicians? Uh, I don't know. I mean... Musicians are not really known for their promptness, but uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here and I'm going to say, yeah, yeah, rappers are flakier. Absolutely, I will say they are flakier. But what was funny was uh, in order to get Eddie his food, uh, I told him to meet me in the Jesse Thorne interview class. And as it turns out, Eddie Pepitone is also a naturally curious person. So even once I gave him his food, he hung around the class. Uh, and when, um, later on, when I was eating lunch with Eddie, uh, Jesse Thorne came by to talk to Eddie, uh, and he, he just, he, he walked up to Eddie and, and he goes, uh, excuse me, sir, uh, I haven't met you before. And Eddie, this is, this is the difference between me and a professional comedian. Um, keep in mind, it had been about an hour since he sat in on the Jesse Thorne class. But fucking Eddie, man, is so sharp. Um, uh, 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 so Jesse Thorne comes up to him and he says, oh, sorry, sir, I, I haven't met you before. Uh, I'm Jesse. And Eddie, without missing a beat, just looks at him and goes, hi, I'm Bob Smith. I'm a garbage man. I really like what you said about us. You know, a lot of people, they don't take the time to think about what we do, but it's important. And I just really liked all the nice things you had to say. And I was just like, God damn it, man. That was fucking great. You are on it. Um, so that was another beautiful moment. I had another weird moment too, um, where uh, I was trying to find Eddie at one point um, to tell him that I had sort of worked out a whole breakfast situation for him. And I went over to uh, Lori, was somebody that I had met at the last Max FunCon, and she was sitting next to Judge John Hodgman. And I sort of, I didn't want to bother him, but I looked at her and I said, hey, have you seen Eddie Pepitone around? Did you, did you see him walk by? 
because I kind of got lost, separated from him at one point while we were going to um, the convocation that, uh, oh, no, no, we, I don't know what show it was. It was some show or other. And then John Hodgman just looks at me and he goes, hi, how are you? My name is John. <laughs> and it was such an such a interesting and peculiar interaction that I was just like, hi. And he sticks out his hand, like, to shake my hand. And I'm like, and I smile at him and I'm just like, oh, hi, John. It's Alan. Nice to meet you. Have you seen Eddie? And he goes, no. I'm like, okay. And then I, th at that point, I realized, oh, I have his phone number. I can just text him. So I, I don't need to find him. So that was weird. And then um, at the last day, the McElroy brothers came up and they did uh, My Brother, My Brother and Me, which is uh, also on the Max Fun Network. It's a great podcast where basically they uh, have people send in advice questions and then they don't help anybody. They don't give any advice. And then and then they also um, take a lot of questions from the Yahoo Answer Service, the garbage pit of the internet, where uh, nobody who knows anything about anything pretends like they've got advice. And then dummies uh, who uh, think unicorns are real ask questions about uh, where's the best way to get a unicorn? Or, I think I'm a werewolf. How do I avoid eating people? Things like that. Uh, so, uh, so the McElroy brothers were there, and um, I got my pictures taken with, with uh, two of There's three brothers, and I got them with a picture with two of them. And then I went to the bathroom that's just off the lobby of the reception area. And... As I'm finishing peeing, I turn around and Griffin McElroy is right there. He's the youngest one that I didn't get the picture with. And it was just weird to like see somebody that you had just seen on stage now getting ready to pee. And it was just sort of really jarring. And it snapped me back to an instant of me, uh, God, like 20 years ago, um, following Tom Kenny at the Paradise Lounge in San Francisco. Tom Kenny, the voice of SpongeBob SquarePants and a very accomplished uh, stand-up comedian in his own right. Um, uh, following him into the bathroom and then waiting till he's uh, wash, done washing his hands and he turns to use the hand dryer, the, the motorized blower hand dryer. And I'm screaming at him like, hey, Tom Kenny, I really love your stand-up. I think you're a funny guy. Hey, you were on a sketch show with uh, Julie Brown, not the one from MTV, but you know, the one from Earth Girls Are Easy. And I, anyway, so I, I, it was really weird. So wait, this might be even weirder than that because uh, Griffin is totally fine talking to me while he's peeing. And uh, I was telling him that story while he was peeing. So then as soon as we leave, I was like, hey, can we, can we, can I get a picture with you? And he says, sure. And so um, I do this whole picture series called Excited and Bored, where uh, whenever I'm with a celebrity, uh, one, person's a, one person is excited and one person is bored. And so I say that to him. I say, whenever I'm with a celebrity, and he goes, don't call me that. <laughs> like, I don't know if he just refuses to believe that he's a celebrity or doesn't want to think of himself that way or what, uh, but he was clearly not having any of it. 
So, uh, I, I, I think that's, that's sort of uh, the highlights of Max FunCon for this time. I'm sure that, that there will be more things that, that come to me uh, as, as the days go by and that maybe I'll dribble and drab back into this podcast. Uh, but uh, right now, Miriam needs to use the office for a conference call because she's, she's playing hooky from work. She's told him she was sick. <laughs> uh, so I got to clear out of here. Um, obviously, the music today was uh, just something I threw together, uh, which is why I haven't commented on it at all. Uh, but from me, from Alexis Perplexus, the music of Bright Brown, all the good people that I met at Max Fun Con. Let's do this one more time. Till then!